3: The 2019 NBA playoffs are finally here and the man who built the 76ers roster is feeling good heading into the postseason.
0: I'm confident in this group. I think we're going to show up well when those bright lights come on and I think we're built for the playoffs.
3: Up first in the opening round, it's the Brooklyn Nets, and we'll preview the series.
1: I think the Sixers really showed in the regular season that when they have Joel Beat on the floor, it's over. I think Brooklyn has a really good story, but I just don't know if they can contend with the star power on the Philly side. Checking in with Elton
3: Brand and a chat with NBA insider Tom Haberstroh of NBC Sports on the first playoff edition of the broadcast. The regular season, at long last, is over. It was great. There were the blockbuster trades, the development of ascending young stars, two all-stars in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Big wins over the likes of Golden State, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Houston Rockets. But it's time. It is now time to leave the regular season in the rear view. We're about to find out just how deep of a run the 76ers can go on. I'm Brian Seltzer. It is great to have you along for another postseason ride here on the podcast. All right, here's our plan for the postseason. We're going to try to stick to it best we can. The night after or the following morning... After each postseason game, we're going to have a rewind edition of the podcast. It's going to be either myself and Tom McGuinness, or 97.5 The Fanatics, Devon Givens, helping out on a few nights as well. So that'll come to you either right after or the morning following, every postseason game. And then in between games, we're going to try and track down members of the media, perhaps some players, coaches, executives, and just pull together as many different interviews as we possibly can to bring you as much insight as possible during this all-important time of the year. We'll get to a few sound bites from Elton Brand's end-of-regular-season press conference and the interview with Tom Habistro in a moment. But first, a reminder, where you can get our podcast feed, just about anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud, Spreaker, wherever that is where you should be able to find our pod feed. Just type in Sixers Podcast Network. A conversation with Tom Haberstroh coming up shortly. But first, wanted to recap Elton Brand's end-of-regular-season press conference, which he held about an hour before the 76ers went out and behind their reserves, drubbed the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday at the center to finish the regular season 51-31. and 31 and set up a matchup with the Brooklyn Nets for the opening round of the playoffs. But Elton was speaking before the 76ers knew who their opponent would be. And one of the things he spoke generally about was the expectations he has for a deep postseason run and his goal is for the 76ers to go farther than they did last year.
0: I think talent and the type of talent that we have, you know, it's, it's like a lot of veteran players, you know, some playoff tested players, they'll find a way to grow and to get better. And, and I think the talent will trump cohesion against you know other teams because we, we're very talented with that first five unit.
3: And this obviously is a huge part of the narrative right now surrounding the 76ers and their forecast for the playoffs. The starting five that they're projected to take into the opening round against the Brooklyn Nets has only played together less than a dozen games. We'll get into this with Tom Habistro. The data Supports that this could be a really special group, and based on hearing what Elton had to say, you certainly can understand why he is bullish on the prospects of the 76ers starting five ultimately coming together the more and more they play. The challenge, of course, is extending the playoff run as much as the Sixers possibly can. Around this time last year, the 76ers, one of their calling cards going into the playoffs. Whether it was against the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics, their defense. They're the third best defensive rating in the NBA going into last year's playoffs. This year, a slightly different deal. The ranking is farther back inside the top 15, but outside the top 10. But as Elton Brand digs beneath some of the numbers, there are a few areas that he thinks are extremely telling for the Sixers being in a good defensive spot going into the playoffs, that the Sixers are doing the right
0: things. It's a different way to define success. Like we were focused on protecting the rim, and when Joel and Boban, and actually Mike Scott, when he's at the five, we're number one over the top defensive team overall when they're out there at the five at protecting the rim and limiting three-point shots. So that's our goal, and we feel that's playoff basketball. That's how you win in the playoffs. Um, We've given up contested twos and some other things, but we're willing to give those up.
3: Just to crunch some numbers really quickly, 76ers, fifth in field goals defended, this is collectively, at the rim this past season. They tied for third in three-pointers allowed per 100 possessions. And also, equally as important, three-pointers attempted per 100 possessions. Uh, They were fourth in the NBA in opponent field goal percentage right around 34.5%. So the three-point defense, very good for the 76ers. And if you look at on-court, off-court numbers, the Sixers' defensive rating with either Joel Embiid, Boban Marjanovic, and Mike Scott. As Elton was talking about, at the five, it's been pretty good. Actually, Mike Scott, when he plays with the four other starters, and it's been 39 minutes, so take it for what it's worth, in 11 games, but their defensive rating is (laughs) sub-90. That's absurd. So there's some numbers that Elton's pointing to when looking at some encouraging signs from the defense. Elton, got to think he's in the running. We're talking about end-of-season awards and what players might get what. Elton Brand, what about him? Possible executive of the year. Huge acquisitions, Tobias Harris right before the trade deadline along with several other important veteran players. And then, of course, back in November, the Jimmy Butler trade. Sixers feel like they've got a closer in Jimmy Butler, Elton Brand, on what Jimmy Butler has brought to the table.
0: Ultimate professional. He's in the gym early. He works on his body. You know, a great leader. You know, the teammates love him. All his teammates love him. And he's just a fierce competitor. And that rubs off on you. You know, you see your teammate going the extra mile to get a loose ball or, you know, to hit a big shot. You, you get inspired by that out there on the court.
3: Nice words from 76ers general manager Elton Brand on Jimmy Butler as the 76ers get ready for the playoffs. We're going to bring on Tom Habistro in a moment. But a reminder that this is Playoff SZN. Yeah. I mean, who's, who's hip down with all the social media lingo, right? Now, it is playoff season. That means it is... Phila, unite time. You will hear and see the mantra everywhere surrounding the 76ers in town, at the center. Wear it loud, wear it proud. If you've got some of the gear from last year, it is back. The Liberty Bell, the Bicentennial 76 logo, the weaving snake from the Pennsylvania Gazette inspired by Ben Franklin and his political cartoon in the 1750s. That's the mantra for the postseason, Phila, unite. It tells a great story about the 76ers franchise a transcendent theme as the 76ers embrace that spirit going to the playoffs once again. Got some things to talk to you about in terms of what you can expect for the 76ers at home in the playoffs, the first two games at the center. Every fan attending game one is going to get a co-branded blue t-shirt, courtesy of Xfinity with the Phil Unite playoff logo on it. Game two, everyone's going to get a rally towel, courtesy of Toyota. There is also this. For game one, there's going to be the Phil Unite playoff party presented by Toyota at Xfinity Live. Check that out. Surrounding game one, that is going to be on Saturday. Tom Haberstroh, he is NBC Sports, national NBA insider, and for good reason. He is one smart dude. We spoke earlier in the year, and it's great to bring him back onto the podcast in advance of the postseason right now. Tom, I think the last time we talked, you were in town right after the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler. So before we dive into what to anticipate from the first round, 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, what do you make of everything that the 76ers did? Obviously, some major moves at the trade deadline, to Tobias Harris in the fold. How do you think things ended up?
1: You know, I think they avoided Boston in the first, you know, in, on the Boston side of the bracket. They're relatively healthy. They got Tobias Harris, who I think is a seamless fit as a floor spacer and a guy that you can throw the ball to and isolate and then start a pick and roll. Um, I think they're going to love having Tobias in the playoffs considering what they, you know, Boston did to Philly last year and, and forced a lot of guys to try to create who couldn't create. And I think that's a, that's a really great thing to have on this roster. And I think they traded, you know, four quarters for a dollar. Uh, a lot of those deals uh, were about consolidating talent and getting stars. And nobody in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, has more stars on its roster than, than Philly. And I think that's, that's something that you need in the playoffs. You know, your, your playoff uh, <clears throat> your rotation shrinks. The bench it becomes less important. I think people, the casual fan, don't really see it that way, but it's true. Uh, you are relying on the strength of your stars, and I think Philly has you know, done a great job by assembling that talent. Now we'll just see how they do.
3: And that's the good news for the 76ers right now is that provided full health, they could essentially have an all-league caliber player on the court pretty much at all times once the postseason gets underway. Um, obviously the Jimmy Butler move signaled a step towards moving the timeline forward but then when the Tobias Harris trade happened that really signaled at least to me that all right we're pushing a lot of the chips in did you expect that to be the case by the end of this season did you feel like there was at any point going to be more patience to see how things played out I mean there certainly has been a lot of patience but were you at all surprised by the level of aggressiveness that Elton Brand took this past year?
1: Well, I would if you know Tobias Harris was thirty four years old, but he's twenty six. He's you know the closest thing we have to Kevin Durant as a six nine, really long small forward who loves to shoot, great shooter, can shoot off the top of people, uh, can create his own shot. He was one of the most efficient guys in the pick and roll, and he's twenty six. And yeah. so when you're when you're looking at you know putting all your chips uh, to the table and and saying oh we're going all in, well that's a good player to go all in for, and I think. When you're trying to build a championship, you have to find as many stars as you can. And at the price, I thought it was a, a worthy gamble. Um, sure enough, we'll, we'll learn about Tobias Harris's ability to perform in the playoffs. Um, but this is, I think, a, a logical move um, a little bit sooner than I expected um, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. But look, the East is wide open. Everyone loves what Giannis did this season. Um, everyone loves what Coach Budenholzer did, uh, but I, I really do believe that this is the, an East crown for the taking. The king is gone, and I think Philadelphia can make a very good argument that they are the most well-equipped from a star from a star perspective to to win the Eastern Conference. Now we just have to make sure everybody's healthy.
3: So much of what people are talking about in these parts is the notion of there being such a limited sample size, and it doesn't sound like Elton Brand or Brett Brown is running from that idea that there are only the 10 games that the projected healthy starting five is going into the playoffs with. And you know, the Sixers, they went eight and two um, in those games. They beat some quality teams. Denver was in there. Boston. Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Net rating during that time for the starting five was just over 17.5. Do you buy some of those numbers, some of the stats that were put up in such a small sample size period of time for the top group for the Sixers?
1: Oh, yeah, I buy it. Um, And if you just look at the skill set, Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick are two of the best shooters you'll find in the NBA. Uh, Ben Simmons is is basically a Swiss Army knife. You can play him at the one or the five. And I think you're going to see that a lot, actually, in the Brooklyn series is Ben Simmons point center because of the fact that Joel Embiid's knee uh, has some question question marks around it it might be nagging him going into this series so I think you might not see him play you know 40 45 minutes a night so that means that you might see Ben Simmons slide over to the center position against Jared Allen um, and and Ed Davis there, and uh, Hollis Jefferson had to play the five in the second half when they were going against uh, Philly the other the other day um, because Jared Allen just couldn't stay with with Embiid, and I think you're going to see a lot of small ball action and, and the versatility of that starting lineup uh, is you know is incredible, and I think it unlocks a lot of things both offensively and defensively, and I think they'll be really, really excited to get the playoffs going so that they can show that, that 17 net rating, that's the best for any projected starting lineup in the playoffs, that's legit. They, they got the skills on both sides of the floor. They got uh, creators, pick and roll. They have shooters. Um, and Joel Embiid, as long as he's able to, to do the things that he did against Brooklyn during the regular season – I just think, you know, this this series could be over quickly.
3: And that's the thing at least to me when I was looking at potential options for the 76ers in the first round, whether it was a Brooklyn thing or an Orlando thing, not really expecting the 76ers wouldn't be able to clear either of those two opponents. But when they went up against Orlando this year, Nick Vucevic, he was a body and a guy who I thought was able to hang with Joel a little bit, relatively speaking, put up some good numbers. But with Brooklyn, for me, when I'm looking at it, it's tough to identify, especially based on how things went in that end of March matchup in South Philadelphia how the Nets are going to be able to address Joel if he's out there.
1: Yeah, he's just so good and, and you know, Jared Allen is a really good shot blocker, but he's light. He's really thin and the same goes for Ed Davis is that I think Embiid just kind of bullies these guys and it it is it is amazing to see that Kenny Atkinson was like, Yeah, let's let's throw out a six seven guy and, and try to stop this. Um but the thing is that the seventy sixers can go small, uh play Mike Scott uh as as a big wing, um, you know, stretch four and go from there, and I think uh, Scott, you know, last year with the Wizards had a lot of big playoff games, and I think you're going to see, in Atlanta too, I think you're going to see him win a couple games here just by, you know, some clutch shooting. I really like him as a player, and if you have Ben Simmons, who's just such a versatile defender, I think Mike Scott's issues can be covered up a lot more, and I think it's a a really nice fit there. So, I I think Brooklyn, um, really well-coached regular season team, um, but I think if it was a you know, any normal playoff picture where it didn't take, you know, basically 500 to get to the sixth seed, I don't know if the Brooklyn Nets would be in the playoffs. And so, Philly, yes, they need to take them seriously. But, man, um, I, I, I predicted on slash Haberstro. You can see it in my latest East preview. Call me like that plug there, Brian. Love um, it. Uh, Sixers and six. And I'll probably be wrong um, in either direction, but I think uh, the, the Sixers really showed in the regular season that when they have and beat on the floor, it's over. And uh, I, I think Brooklyn has a really good story in D'Angelo Russell, a great shooter in Joe Harris, but I just don't know if they can contend with the star power on the Philly side
3: did want to ask you about the 76ers' defense this year. Going into the playoffs last year, that was such a big part of the team's identity. They finished three overall in the league in defense. This year it's been a little bit of a different story. They wrapped up the regular season tie for 13th overall. But something Elton Brand said – in his press conference before the regular season finale on Wednesday was that he felt that um, defending the rim where the Sixers are top five right now collectively and defending threes where they're top three in three-pointers made per 100 and attempts per 100, he feels like he's okay with that because in his view, that's a formula for winning defense in the postseason. How do you see that notion and where do you feel like the 76ers' defense in particular is at going into the
1: playoffs? You know, as Joel Embiid goes, so does the defense. Uh, He might be uh, a defensive player of the year level, um, and if he played more minutes this season, he might have just won it. And I think when you look at the numbers, uh, it's such a big effect between what Embiid does to the the defense when he's out there. And I think when you lock down the paint um, and you're mobile and if you get pulled out to the three-point line, you got Ben Simmons at the back line. And I think they've got... Enough talent defensively to uh, to really play at a high level. Again, like I, I think you brought up a great stat with the three point attempts. Um, that is actually something you can control a lot more than whether they actually go in. Um, statistically, there's just no correlation year to year between a good three-point defense team if you look at whether those shots go in. Believe it or not, you think you can control whether those shots go in, but really what you can control is limiting those three-point attempts. And I think um, you know, with the length and the size of this, this defense, I think they can do both, protect the rim and the three-point line, and they'll have to do it both. Um, against this e- the Eastern Conference foes that they want to win uh, to get to the finals.
3: Would you put Brooklyn in one of the surprise stories of the season category?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I just ran the numbers because Dave Yeager was let go in, in Sacramento. Um, and I was just – I ran the numbers to see the, the over-under of what Vegas thought the uh, these teams would do and then what they actually did. And Brooklyn – Came in as the sixth um, biggest high high achieving team, overachieving team. Uh, they were projected to win thirty-two games this year by both ESPN and Vegas over unders, and they ended up winning forty-two. So they beat their spread by by ten ten wins. So, you know, th- this this team definitely overachieved. I think um, you know D'Angelo Russell was a big reason why. Joe Harris, of course, in the three-point contest, everyone knows that now. Um, but this is, a, this is a Brooklyn team that's feisty. They got Jared Dudley, a veteran presence there. Um, but you know what? I, I think Brooklyn, it's, it's one of these teams that really good regular season story. I just don't know how far they can go in that in the postseason.
3: It could also be something where, as people who follow the 76ers, whether you're members of the media or fans, I think some of the haunting images that stand out, Spencer Dinwiddie going for 39 against the Sixers in a game in December, Danzo Russell up until this third matchup, uh, I the fourth matchup um, in March, he played really well against them. And what do you think Brooklyn does that has allowed them to maximize what they've gotten out of Russell and Dinwiddie and why they've been able to be so effective?
1: well they take a ton of threes um and that's kind of what you have to do when you're when you don't have that much talent you need to space the floor and try to find three point shooters and they did that i mean joe harris is is their jj reddick uh, shot 47 percent from three this year i'd like to see his volume just go up a little bit more try to find him as a shooter more uh, he only has five attempts a game and i think you know, you, you just you love the the confidence that that Atkinson has has instilled in this team. Uh, Alan Crabb, another three point shooter, and Karis Wilt was was having a great start to the season after a scary injury. Um, he's returning to form now, and Spencer Dinwiddie is is as is is as close to a Luke Williams <laughs> coming off the bench who can dominate a fourth quarter as you'll find. Um, but again, it all starts from three point shooting and spacing the floor, and those high variance uh, opportunities. And what I mean by that is. They're taking home run swings every time down the floor, and they know that they don't have an MVP candidate. They know they don't have a ton of all-stars on their team, but they do have this little slingshot that David has against Goliath, which is a three-point shot. They take the fifth most amount of three-pointers uh, in the NBA. They get to the free throw line at a high rate. Uh, you can thank Dinwiddie there. Uh, and I think just really they're like, um, they're like a mini Houston where D'Angelo Russell is really attacking the basket. Uh, and and spacing the floor, and they, they're surrounded by shooters. I think they're going to be really, really, really good in a in a couple of years when they get more talent. But I love the way they play, and they space the floor, uh, and they just they just play the right way.
3: So, begin to wrap this up. Part of the narrative, at least in Philadelphia, is that Jimmy Butler this year at times didn't seem like he was his normal aggressive self. At least the version of Jimmy Butler that. People are used to watching in limited amounts of quantities, at least around here in Minnesota or Chicago. But when I'm looking at it, you know, there were games like Milwaukee where he helped close things out. There was the game against the Boston Celtics when he hit the winning shot in March. What do you make of Jimmy Butler's season this year? And what do you think are reasonable expectations for Jimmy in the role that he'll have with the Sixers in the postseason?
1: You know, I think he's kind of holding things in his back pocket in the regular season. Um, I think he knows he's a free agent, and he knows that you know everything is going to come down to the playoffs. And I think he eases his way into games, much like LeBron. I covered LeBron in Miami, and it was one of these things where you could see a chart by his field goal attempts per minute at the game and it just skyrocketed. It was just like, he just eases into the game in the same way that Jimmy Butler does. And by the time that comes down to winning time, uh, that's a guy you want on your side. So yes, I think he probably could, um, you know, probably have a higher usage rate, but I think he's also understanding that he wants to fit in with this team. Um, and Tobias Harris has, has done an amazing job fitting in right away out mid season. I think Jimmy Butler you know, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have... I want aggressive Jimmy Butler. I want the alpha Jimmy Butler. But also, you you want to have, you know, Jimmy Butler integrate other players and not step on others' toes. You know, like, it's it can't be both things. So, you know, when I looked at the, the acquisition, he was the best closer over the last five years in the NBA looking at win probability added. And what that is, is just... How much does a player through his shooting and his turnovers improve or decline? Uh, a team's win probability. And over the last five years, Jimmy Butler was number one in the category uh, in win probability added through his shot making uh, in clutch situations. And I think that's what the Philadelphia 76ers need, is a guy who's not afraid of the moment, who's efficient, who can can create a shot off the dribble. Uh, They got him in Jimmy Butler, so I'm not too worried about uh, whether he needs to be more aggressive. I think you'll see prime Jimmy Butler, alpha Jimmy Butler, in the playoffs when winning matters more.
3: We'll leave it with this. Any other X-Factors subplots that we did not mention, cover that you feel could have a telling role in this series coming up in the first round?
1: Yeah, I, I just think it's really going to be interesting whether um, you, you'll see Ben Simmons as the as the point center and how much of that we'll see in this series because I could totally, if, if Embiid's not able to go for 40, 45 minutes um, in, in, in these games, I don't know if they're too confident in Boban or Jonah, or Greg Monroe. Obviously, Greg Monroe, if, if they felt confident about their center rotation, they wouldn't even bring him in. Um, but I do think that Ben Simmons could really tap into that potential and that versatility, and you might see it in this series. And I love um, you know, the, the kind of player that Mike Scott brings them as a shooter off the bench. So I think that's going to be really interesting in this series, that Brooklyn, um, you can play some of their, their bigs off the floor, and it might just be small ball the rest of the way.
3: I lied. I'm going to leave you with one more question. Um, I should probably know the answer to this, uh, given that it's uh, New York City slash Brooklyn, but I feel like you are one of the few people on the NBA circuit to certainly pose a question like this too. Eats, Eat List, anything that needs to be uh, tackled, uh, consumed at with a modest budget, of course.
1: In Bro- I don't have a Brooklyn list. This is mm. this is so sad. Um, I don't have a Brooklyn list right now. Um, you know, my guy Kevin Arnovitz at ESPN is probably the best sc- the best food scout. So I would see to him. Go Pepper, Kevin, and that's a nice pun, by the way. Go Pepper Ke- at Kevin Arnovitz online if you're looking for Brook- Brooklyn eats. I'm sure he has a ton of them.
3: Flood dimensions. Tom Haberstroh. <laughs> NBC Sports, National NBA Insider. Awesome as always, man. Getting your insights and wisdom. Thank you so much, and hope to see you down the road.
1: All right. Thanks, Brian.
3: Lots of good info to wrap your mind around from Tom Habistro. Would expect nothing less. He is outstanding at what he does. I really liked some of those numbers he was throwing out there about the alpha version of Jimmy Butler looking back historically at Butler's career and just how much of an effect he's had on games late and in clutch situations. We've certainly seen a handful of examples of that in his limited time, relatively speaking, with the 76ers this past season. But historically, that more numbers support that trait and attribute of Butler. You got to think, as Tom said, that could only help the Sixers cause once we get into the pressure packed stage of the season in the playoffs. Big thanks to Tom Habistro for taking the time to talk. Also enjoyed playing back some of the sound from Elton Brand's end of regular season press conference. Thank you, as always, for listening. And again, now that the playoffs are here, we're going to try and hit you as frequently as possible in our pod feed, whether it's rewind episodes of games, interviews with members of the media, players, anyone else we can track down and pester for a few minutes of their time. We are going to do it. So get ready. The playoffs are here. Phil unites. We'll talk to you throughout the run as long as it goes here on the broadcast. See you.